Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Oderico, and joining me is LBJ professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts. We're broadcasting live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network, bringing you some of the best golfers, teacher professionals, and entrepreneurs helping to elevate women's golf. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning, so grab your coffee and let's get started. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Rodrigo, and right alongside uh, each and every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts here on the Women of Golf. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you? I am doing very well for a Tuesday morning. As always, uh, happy to be here uh, with you on uh, on the air, if you will. And uh, we've got a great show this morning. We're going to be joined by... Uh, here in just a few moments, uh, Bailey Tardy, who is was the actual runner-up uh, for the previous weekend's uh, Firekeepers Casino uh, Hotel Championship. Uh, as you remember, we had Ray Jin Liu, who was the winner, and, and uh, they didn't have an event this week, so um, Bailey has very graciously uh, agreed to jump in on the call this morning, and uh, so we're going to talk to her. And then a little bit later on, we're going to welcome back uh, Karen Nicoletti, who is an LPGA teacher professional and a member of the proponent group. Uh, she's going to come back and give us an update on what's happening in her world. So we're very, very excited to have both ladies on this morning. And um, we're looking forward to uh, another uh, interesting program, uh, if you will. So we're glad that you can join us this morning. Um, while we wait for, um, for Bailey, um, What's happening with your boot camps this season, with everything going on? Are you able to move forward with them a little bit, or what's the status? What a great question. So I have scheduled uh, November, December, January, February, March, and April. Uh, No one has signed up for November, December. And I've added those two. Last year we did do a November camp. But um, we're hoping that things die down a little bit uh, if – November and December don't work. We're certainly hoping January through April work. So um, I've got people committed to come to next year's 2021 camps. So we're just waiting and hoping that, uh, number one, things die down. Number two, a vaccine is out that somewhat works. And number three, we're able to go to Florida. Right, right. Well, and a lot hinges on that, for I think, for everybody, to be honest. Um and I was just curious because I know we hadn't had a chance to really talk about that here for a little bit. And I know you were working on that to see what was going to happen. And unfortunately, these crazy numbers keep going back and forth and a lot of uncertainty for a lot of people. You know, I, it was very interesting. I sent out, as, as most of you may have picked up over the last little while, um, back a few months ago, in fact, right when the pandemic started, uh, I acquired Golf Tips magazine. And uh, I sent out the e-newsletter here just a few weeks ago. And one of the questions was on, you know, are you planning to, you know, continue on with, you know, a golf trip? I mean, that was not the exact question. I don't remember it off the top of my head. But generally the question was, are you planning a golf trip this season, you know, a, a foursome or, or what have you, or even as a couple? And interestingly enough, um, in the responses, there was – 
68% definitely no. So that's a pretty high percentage. I mean, I expected that number to be but I wasn't expecting it as high because, as you know, Cindy, golf is a pretty um, social distance type of sport or game, and we've been very, very fortunate in this industry that uh, it hasn't been as greatly impacted as many other industries. So I was really kind of surprised on that. Um, and, of course, the second one was, yes, you know, absolutely, you know, we're, we're good to go type thing. And then there was a few that were waiting to see and, and not sure, you know, that sort of thing, which I anticipated that. Those were obviously a little bit lower. But what's your your take on on that in general do you think a lot of people that typically might go on trips or do things like that are just kind of waiting to see what's going on well for me in new york i mean i would love to go visit my daughter in florida but i've got a quarantine when i get home so you know it depends on what state you live in and what state you want to go to and what happens if you have to quarantine, right? And are you able to quarantine? Mm-hmm. So there's so many what if, then that happens, then that happens. You know what I mean? So, yeah, uh, yeah. you got to be careful. So I can tell you that golf in Buffalo is open, and I have never been so busy right. in my life. Never. Like unbelievably you know, busy. Right. It's um, It's interesting that you say that because even – when the pandemic first sort of came about and, you know, obviously here in, in the South, uh, we pretty much enjoy golf all year round um, because of our, our lovely climate. And it's interesting that you mentioned that because there was quite a few, um, you know, of our fellow professionals out there who said the same thing. They've, they've never been busier in their life. There was not just, you know, some of the regular clients coming back in and, and wanting, you know, to get ready for the season and whatnot. Um, but there were a lot of new people that uh and and particularly families i think they were i think after a couple of months they were just you know trying to do something to get the kids out of the, out of the house you know they were getting a little a little back crazy if you will and wanting to get out and of course golf was one of the as i mentioned was one of the very few things that uh, the folks were able to do so have you noticed that as well in, in your teaching have you noticed a lot of um new people coming out that maybe have never really been involved in the game and are just you know, looking for something to do, and they thought, hey, I'm going to give this a try. Uh, what's your uh, take? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, again, people that I've never met before, so many new students who want to learn how to play, and typically I have them come in for a half-hour intro lesson just to see if they like it and they like me, and then they can apply that mm-hmm. money towards a package. And, yeah, we've sold all kinds of new packages. So, and families you know, brothers and sisters. Now, I can tell right. you that soccer is back in action and baseball is back in action and hockey starting up. So that's going right. to wane down because the kids can now go do other things, whereas before right. it was a tremendous opportunity, you know. And, again, here's the sad part. We can't go to Canada, which there's. I live right yeah. by the border, and – so many people from Buffalo are members at country clubs in Canada and have cottages on right. on the lake on the Canadian side, and they're banned from yep. going there or playing their course, right. which means now the reciprocal memberships, so all these members at Canadian clubs can go play clubs in Buffalo, which means they're absolutely packed, which is yeah. good and bad. <laughs> 
Right, right, exactly. And, and you know, it, it's unfortunate, and, you know, you feel for not only the members, but also the clubs themselves. I mean, they're missing out on all of the, that revenue because, um, you know, the uh, the folks on, on your side uh, can't cross over and, and play their, you know, their, their favorite course uh, or their member course. So it's it's very, very difficult. Um, all right, well, I see well, that. And Looks the like other Bailey's thing is that ready, everybody so, – Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Well, let me just say one more thing. The other thing is poor club. You know, people want their membership money back, but the club needs to be able to survive. Yeah. Right? So well, it's right. very it, difficult. It, it, well, it's a catch-22, really, because, you know, on one hand, you can see it from the member side. I mean, if they're not able to utilize the course – um, through no fault of their own, um, they're paying these dues for nothing. But at the same time, you know, the course still, uh, you know, the club still has to maintain uh, certain things. And yeah, they can let staff, you know, late staff temporarily off, which they obviously don't want to do. But you know, you, you can't just, um, you know, can't just stop mowing the the greens and the fairways um, just because you can't get to, you know your full membership over there because. You know, it'll look like a cow pasture after, you know, uh, a few weeks. So, you know, there's a lot of expense that still goes into upkeep, uh, even if it's not being played. And um, it's a tough call. And and, uh, I I don't know what a lot of these courses are going to do. I I, I fear that we're going to lose some along the way and probably have already. But, um, yeah, it's a tough thing. All right. I see that our our first guest is is ready. Um, Let me just explain a little bit uh, about this young lady. Her name is Bailey Tardy. Uh, she was the runner-up at the uh, 2020 Firekeepers Casino Hotel Championship, and uh, she's a native of Norcross, Georgia, uh, qualified for the 2014, 16, and 17 U.S. Women's Open as an amateur. Uh, she was the winner of the 2015 North and South Women's Amateur Golf Championship, and she was a University of Georgia standout, uh, named the 2016 SEC Freshman of the Year, and uh, also the Women's Golf Coach Association's first team all-American and all-SEC first-team selection as a freshman and was the member of Team USA at the 2016 Curtis Cup and finished with a 3-2 overall record. So, Cindy, let's uh, welcome our very special guest this morning, Bailey Tardy. Good morning. Hello, everybody. Wow. Good. <laughs> We're doing fine. Good morning. My husband's going to love you. He's a bulldog. Oh, awesome. Yeah, good dog. Yeah. In fact, he's on the wall down there, which is amazing. Yeah, his name is Alan Miller, and he played on tour for a long time, and he's from Pensacola, Florida, and he is a bulldog through and through. So welcome. Thank you. I'll have to look for his uh, picture name on the wall when I go back up there. When do you go back up there? Um, To Athens? I don't know. I kind of go – my grandmother lives up there, so I go up there every now and then um, to go see her. Oh, but, that's cool. Um, I think they just opened up the university course, so I haven't, even if I wanted to go up there, I couldn't even get into the locker room just because it's all closed since the university's been closed. Mm. Ugh. Isn't that so sad? Yeah, tough times, but um, I don't know. I guess it was a a forced break from Athens, which maybe I needed. (laughs) Right. I get it. I get it. Anyway, so way to go. Like, you're a player. Thank you. Thanks. I've I've had a good junior career and um, hoping hoping that it foreshadows a good professional career as well. 
Let me ask you a question. Okay. What? Um, so we teach a lot of kids. We live in Buffalo. My husband and I are the only married couple in the world that have played on all four major tours. Alan played in the Masters three times as an amateur and twice as a pro, and he's, you know, he's a player. He's a ball striker. And I am just a hardworking grinder. Um, so we teach a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. And what would you tell someone who's 14, 15, who really thinks they want to play college golf and may want to play on tour, but maybe not, and when they get uh, in a slump and they can't score and their parents are on their case and there's too much pressure, what would you tell them? Um, well, I actually went through that in college. Um, but really, just to go back to the basics, um, I was borderline about to quit golf in college, and um, I kind of just went back to why I love the game, and I actually talked to one of my mentors, and it was, what is your why? Like, why are you doing this? Why are you playing? And you really have to, is it because you love the game? Is it because you want to make a million dollars on tour? Is it because you want to be the number one player in the world? You have to go figure out what is your why, why you want to be here, and kind of use that to drive yourself at practice. And when I was in college, I kind of drifted away from that. I I forgot why I was playing golf and what I was doing with it. And so um, that could be a little bit more complex for a 14, 15-year-old. So you got to figure out, um, like why you're having fun doing it and what makes golf fun. And I know a lot of kids growing up just don't have fun and it, it's kind of forced upon them by their parents. But, um, and if that's the case, then I'm, I don't, I don't really have much advice, but um, I've all, I've never was pushed by my parents or forced to play golf. It was always something that I wanted, um, I wanted to do. So just go figure out why why you want to do it and how you have fun doing it, and um, that should that should help you. So what is your why? Hmm. Why do you play? Because I want to be the number one player in the world. Why? And what, because I, that's just what I I want to be the best, and that's that's my goal. That's what I've that's what I've wanted to do, and I love playing golf. So. That's kind of what drives me to practice and motivates me on the days that I really don't want to go out there. I think that the whole world is getting better, so I got to go get better with them. Because um, if I want to be number one, then I need to be either outworking everybody or just practicing smarter. And when you don't want to do it, you still got to find somewhere to grind it out, grit it out, and and go practice and get your get your drills done and then go relax and do something fun afterwards. So let me ask you this. Um, I played on tour for three years after. I went to the University of Miami and um, was All-American my senior year. I was a walk-on. They told me I wasn't good enough to play. And my oh, dad good. said, you've got one year to earn a scholarship or you have to come home. And I graduated the number one player on the team, and we went back-to-back national championships, right? So, um, and then I, I got married to Alan, and so I went from tour, and then I qualified for the tour, and so I went, then I lost my card because I wasn't good enough. So I went from 
LPGA Tour player to PGA Tour wife and PGA <laughs> Tour mother. And then we have three kids, one of which went to Augusta State and played on the team. Um, and then our daughter works at the Golf Channel. Anyway, so long story short, when I saw there was a Legends Tour for former LPGA Tour players, it was like this was my chance for redemption, right, mm-hmm. to prove to myself that the dream that I had when I was 17 wasn't just a nightmare that was going to haunt me the rest of my life. So I picked up my clubs. I started playing on the Symmetra Tour. I'd walk up to the first tee, and everybody would look at me and go, uh, is your daughter playing? I'm like, no, it's me, right? And they're like, oh, my God, who's the old lady, right? So that being said, I would go out, and I'd had to Monday qualify because when I tried to play on the Legends Tour, they all said, well, you're not good enough. you got to qualify. I'm all right, fine. How many spots? One. Boom. So, again, when your why is big enough, you'll pick up the sticks and do what you need to. So there was this right. one time that I missed qualifying by one shot in Evansville, Indiana. I had driven 11 hours one way, right? I'm driving home. I'm on the phone. I'm crying to Alan, and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I missed it by one shot. And he goes, this has absolutely nothing to do with your golf swing. This has everything to do with your mind. Yep. And it was like he slapped me right upside the face, and I was so ticked I wanted to kill him. And then I thought, you know what? He's right. So when you want, when you have a goal of I want to be the number one player in the world, I believe I have this thing called the it box, and there's three things in the box, a nail which signifies pain, how bad does it have to hurt to be willing to change, and the second thing is a mirror. So for um, my question to you, which is a very long-winded thing, is are you really willing to look in the mirror to find out every little tiny thing that might be uh, a weakness for Bailey that she needs to improve upon so she can be the number one player in the world. Are you willing? To fix my weakness? Is that what you're asking? To look in the mirror, to see every Uh, single thing. Like, do you evaluate your rounds and say, okay, I was nervous on that shot. I didn't trust it. I had clenched butt cheeks standing over it. Well, that was stupid. So the cause of the bad swing was lack of committed decision. You follow what I'm saying? So are you willing to do all those things, which most people aren't, which is why they won't be the number one player in the world, which is why you would be? Well, 100%, yeah. I mean, I even did it um, when I was up in Michigan at that last tournament. The first round, I was talking to one of my friends who's a caddy on the PGA Tour, and he was like, how was your round? And I was like, man, I, I didn't focus for three holes, and and I bogeyed two of them and almost bogeyed the other one. He was like, all right, we'll learn from it. I was like, I mean, you're right. That was, I, I need to, I need to figure that out. And, and honestly, if I focused on those three holes, then I would have won the tournament. So, um, yeah, that's definitely something I, I, each round I evaluate and look at what I did wrong, but also, focus on what I did right because you can't just focus on the negatives all the time or beat yourself up. Right. Um, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta figure out where you can improve. And, um, but I mean, also engrave the positive and the good shots and the good putts and all the good things that happen. So you can think about that in a nervous situation. Um, like the last and then remember the the win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was I I may have not won last week, but 
I was so proud of how I handled myself on the back nine. And um, I was, I saw that I was up there on the leaderboard. I don't know what place I was at the turn after I made that eagle on number nine. And I mean, I was nervous and I haven't been in that kind of situation in a while. And so, I mean, that's what you play for. Those are the good kind of nerves. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm just that's happy awesome. that I it. Um, but yeah, you just got to think of, think of the positives and, um, I don't know, work on, and learn work from on the, the negatives. Yeah, exactly. Ted, go ahead. Well, Bailey, uh, um, you know, I think it's fantastic. I think you have to, first and foremost, you have to believe in yourself, which obviously you do. Um, and it, it's a lot of hard work. It's a big commitment. You know, it's one thing to say, I want to go out and I want to play with the best, but to have a goal um, like that being number one, um, it, it certainly has its challenges, which I know you're aware of. And one thing that strikes me as a positive, you mentioned a few moments back about there was a point in time um, when you were playing uh, at the university where you just felt like giving up and then you decided to pull up your bootstraps as it were and said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to move on. So that's a sign right there that you're willing to commit even in, in your darkest moments. So it brings me to my question is rate how you handle stress when you're on the golf course from a one to 10. How do you rate yourself as handling stress and the reason why you give yourself that rating? Um, well, I guess stress would be attitude on the golf course. And mm-hmm. you can probably ask anybody in my junior golf career, I would get very upset with myself just because I put so much work and so much practice and then to mess up. But and so I get very mentally angry. I get super down on myself. I'd have a bad attitude. I'd I'd maybe hit my bag or something. But as I learned and grew up and matured, um, you know, you're you're gonna you can stand on number one tee box, and I mean, you're gonna you're not gonna hit every shot perfect. It's golf. It's hard. You can shoot right. sixty five and not hit one perfect golf shot. Um, so you just got to understand, I finally wrapped my head around that I'm not going to play perfect today. I'm going to make a bogey. Mm-hmm. I might make a double. But guess what? I can make a double and a bogey as easy as I can make three birdies in a row. Um, so I kind of, I think I might have read this out of a book. But you have the 10-second rule. You have a bad putt. Hit your drive in the water. Do something bad. You can be mad about it for 10 seconds. Be as mad as you want. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't break anything, obviously, but mentally, just you can tear, <laughs> right. tear, tear your mind to pieces. Um, but once those 10 seconds are up, there's nothing you can do about it. It's in the past. Um, mm. And then you focus on each one shot from there on out. Um, you can't think, oh, I just made a triple. Now I'm going to shoot 80 today because you've still got so many more holes. And that's focusing on the outcome, not the present. And so, um, yeah, once I wrap my head around that, um, dealing with stress and maybe, um, nerves, nerves wise, Mm -hmm. I kind of just work through that with breathing. But if I rated myself when I was a junior golfer, I'd give myself a two, maybe a one. (laughs) I was bad. (laughs) Right. But now, 
Um, now, I would probably. I mean, I'm not. I'm not perfect. At, I don't think anybody is, no. but I would maybe give myself like a seven and a half or an eight, um, just mm. because. Bottom line, like I'm out there doing something that I love. I may have a bad day on the golf mm-hmm. course, but when they always say a bad day on the golf course is a better day in the office, or is better than a bad or a good day in the office. So mm-hmm. I always look like that, and I'm like, at least I'm not sitting in the office today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, stuff like you know, Bailey, uh, Bailey, the the golf course is your office, and that's what makes it fun. And you're exactly right. And, and that's a great answer, really, because it's true. It, you know, it, I think when you first started, I don't care who you are, I don't care how, how well you've been trained, um, you know, by your instructor or coach. Um, but, you know, when you're first starting out, you're going to be a little bit immature. Um, you might hit the ball fantastic. You might score really well. But your emotions are still, you know, as as a junior um, are still in check. I mean, you know, they're still in play, if you will. You've, you've got to learn and develop that skill as you go along. And um, to give yourself, you know, a one or a two in the beginning, I think is about is accurate, I think, for most people. And to get up to a seven and a half to an eight as you develop, and you will, you will never be perfect. None of us will be. But the fact that you're moving in that forward momentum is a, is a very positive sign, and that's kudos to you. Um, another quick question I want to have for you is fitness routine. Do you have one? Um, yes. Well, the reason I was late to this call is because I was actually on a run, but, um, I, I love running. I think it clears my head. Um, really anything with cardio, even if I Mm -hmm. golf course related, if I have a bad round, you will catch me running either right after that round or the next morning, just because it's something that it's like my getaway spot. The golf course is my getaway, but during a tournament, you can't really escape from the golf course so that's kind of my uh where i i it's my mental therapy really um but i i focus on a lot of cardio based circuit based type things um i'm actually doing this i guess it's called a diet lifestyle thing with a couple of my friends it's two 45 minute workouts a day and then there's like there's no alcohol. You have to follow a meal plan. You drink a gallon of water. Um, it's called the 75 hard. And so it's for 75 days straight. But um, so that's kind of what I'm doing right now. I just kind of like really enjoy challenges. And I don't really focus on my weight too much just because I have so much muscle on my body that if I stare at a scale, it's not going to tell me whether I've put muscle on or lost fat or lost muscle um so i'm not too much worried about the number on the scale but i do get the body compositions done and i I mean i I try to maintain a healthy lifestyle I, i try to eat healthy um obviously everyone loves fried food and desserts and whatnot but um for the most part i i eat a lot of salmon and chicken and vegetables but um Work. I mean, I try to stay active as much as possible. Well, I think it's good. I think you have to be, and you you know what your body. You know, you have to listen to your body what it what it can and cannot do. And obviously, cardio is is a big one for you. You enjoy that. It's it's a a stress reliever number one, but it also uh, helps with stamina. I mean, you you know, people don't think because you're not running on the golf course that you don't need stamina. But you play 18 holes. 
you know, three or, or even four days in a row. And that's a workout in itself. So a lot of people that don't play golf professionally like you do, uh, maybe don't appreciate what, what it really takes to do that and the emotional uh, energy as well. Um, final question here before we go, because we're, we're getting close to a, a hard uh, break, if you will. Um, if golf was not in your future, what would you be doing instead? So if golf was not in the picture, what would you be doing? I don't know. Um, I majored in financial planning, but I don't think I had an internship at Morgan Stanley and I just truly don't think that I'd go down. Um, but I'd probably be something in fitness. Honestly. Um, I'd probably be some kind of fitness instructor or, um, my parents would laugh if I didn't say this, but I have this crazy dream of living in a van or, like an RV and just <laughs> traveling around America. <laughs> so my parents. That's kind of what you're doing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, like, but I've always wanted to do that. So I, for some crazy reason, um, but I, I'd honestly probably be doing that since I'm young and in my twenties. And then once, once I got into my thirties, I'd probably settle down and get some kind of job. But I don't know. I that's a tough question. I'd definitely be doing something outdoors though. Um whether it be a, a fitness instructor, um some kind of hiking or wakeboarding or something outdoors. I got to be outdoors. It's it's part of m- me and who I am. I think that's great. And uh, I don't want to I don't want to stifle your golf career, but I think you should do it anyways. I think you should take some time and and hop in that RV and travel across. Um, you know, there's just so many beautiful areas in in, in the United States and and elsewhere um, not to enjoy, but particularly here. I have actually have some friends that have done that. Um, they did that for three years, and uh, they ultimately mm-hmm. settled in an area in Mexico. They just love it, and uh, they're both in real estate now and and whatever but yeah she just uh they went up one side and down the other and through the middle a couple of times and they just loved it so um point i think bailey of doing that um well bailey we got to let you go unfortunately um i know we didn't get a chance to talk much about the tournament that you're uh, in but uh what's coming up now you've got an event i think coming up uh next week is that right i think you're on a break right now from the symmetra what's the event coming up where is it it's in um, Mesa. It's in Phoenix, Arizona. I don't know how to say where, where it Mesa. is. And then we go to Mesa. Mesa, yeah. Uh, and then we go to Beaumont, California. So those are our next two, and then we got another break. Very good. Well, Bailey, um, good luck for the rest of the season. Uh, hop in our RV and get out and enjoy the travel. And uh, thank you very much for joining City <laughs> and I this morning here on well, the Women of Golf. And we hope you'll come back and and join us. Good thank luck, you for honey. having me. Have fun. Thank you. Thank you. It was nice talking to y'all. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. That was uh, Bailey Tardy, the runner-up for the uh, Firekeepers Casino Hotel Championship a couple of weeks ago. Um, very interesting young lady. Um, you know, what are your thoughts, Cindy, just before we bring Karen on here? Uh, we've got a minute or two, but um, what do you think on her goal to be a number one player, what do you think it's going to take? I think she's got what it takes. I, I she's made the decision, and and one of the mm-hmm. things that is so important for 
uh, tour player to understand is they are their only inventory, and she understands that. Mm -hmm. If it's to be, it's up to me. You know what I mean? And so she's on a Mm -hmm. mission, which, you know, if she doesn't get to that mission and she's a top ten player in the world, good job, right? So she gets Mm -hmm. it. So some of these girls have got one foot going forward and one foot going backward. And, yeah. um, but the, not this one. So I, I, again, it's kind of like we had Christina Kim on and I said, you better watch her because she's been working mm-hmm. too hard not to get this to work. Right. So right. I think right. that's the attitude. She knows where she's going. She's not second guessing herself. So, uh, in my opinion, this girl is going to be a superstar. Well, and you know the other thing too is just on that note, and then I'll introduce Karen and we'll we'll bring her on. One of the interesting things too is you know she was very emphatic. Um, you know I want to be number one. That's that's my goal. And quite often we hear not just you know on the Symmetra, but all of the tours. A lot of players say you know I just want to get in the top ten. I just want to get. And I think if you come in with that attitude, I mean you might make it in the top ten. But you're, you know, and if I win, it's a bonus type of thing, you know, and I think if you have that attitude, that's why so many players, I mean, obviously there's other reasons, but it's all about attitude that, you know, one thing I go to, to, and I give Tiger Woods credit is, you know, he never said, well, I just want to get in the top 10. His, his goal was he wanted to win and he wanted to break Jack Nicholas's record of majors. He had very specific goals. He wanted to be, you know, the number one player and he wanted to, um, you know, win you know the most tournaments and he wanted to every time he went out there he wanted to win he expected to win and i know it sounds very arrogant and sometimes even a little narcissistic sometimes uh and conceited or all the other things that i remember when he first came out he was called um but the truth of the matter is um proof is in the pudding and you know look at the career that he has had and you know yeah he's had his ups and downs like everybody else has but he accomplished pretty much most of what he wanted. And he's still trying to battle to get that last one, you know, hitting, hitting the, the most majors, but he got, you know, even if he doesn't get that, he got pretty darn close. And it was, again, that attitude. He didn't come in there and say, well, I just want to, you know, I want to finish runner up or I want to finish, you know, in the top 10, or I want to make sure I keep my card this year. He never came out and said that. And I've heard players say things like that. And it makes me wonder why are they there? If they're not there to try to win, and it's an afterthought. You're right. It's one foot in and one foot out. So uh, enough babbling. I'm going to bring out our guest. Uh, Karen Nicoletti, as I mentioned, she's been on the show before. Uh, she is, was born in San Diego, California, and started playing golf when she was just five years old. Uh, she won the Junior World Golf Championship when she was uh, nine and ten years old and played on various mini tours and the Women's European Tour after college and owned and operated her own golf shop in Germany. Uh, Specializing in golf development, Karen's unique approach uh, to coaching inspires golfers of every age, gender, and skill level. And she's also a site director for an LPGA USGA Girls Golf. Uh, So, Cindy, let's welcome back our very special guest, Karen Nicoletti. Good morning. Good morning. How are you all? (laughs) We're doing well. (laughs) We're doing great. It's great to hear you. You know, I have to comment on we're talking about being number one in the world. You know, it's interesting getting ready for a you know a major in the men's world. Listening, you know, I, I've uh, I could never fathom. And, and Cindy, I think you can relate to this. Being a teaching professional, 
you know, once I realized that my playing career, you know, I wasn't going to make it out there, you know, I didn't go out there to be number 120th. I went out there to be number one. I felt during my time I did the prep that I did, um, whether it was the right prep, I, I guess because I didn't have such a huge college career that, you know, to me to go out there and just be out there wasn't fun. So back to what you were saying, you know, unless you – I don't know why anybody would be on any tour in any sport not to be the best of the best. And that's how I feel in, in teaching. And in teaching, I've observed quite a few of the top instructors in the country and tried to keep my mind open and listen to and continue to learn every day when it comes to being a coach. So that was very interesting subject, but more power to her. And I think when you start your career with that mindset, she's going to go very far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's yeah, great. It's I, I great agree. to hear. Well, and it's you're well said, Karen. You know, you have to if you're going to come out and play whatever it is, whether it be golf or or some other sport, you have to come out with the idea that you're going to succeed. Now, obviously, you're going to have some stumbles, and you know, sometimes things are not going to happen the way you want, but you can't come out there with just sort of, well, you know, if I win, that's great. And if I don't, and people sometimes misinterpret that as being conceited. But the truth of the matter is, if you don't have confidence in yourself that you can accomplish that number one spot, then, and I know this is going to sound a little harsh, but you really have no business being there because there's dozens of other people that are vying for that number one spot that maybe haven't gotten there for some reason and you're there just sort of wavering or waffling through your career in the hopes that you might make it in the top 10 or what have you, that's not a very lofty goal. And, and again, everybody's entitled to their own. I'm not trying to suggest otherwise. But you have to have that kind of a vision if you want to be successful in whatever it is that you do. You have to say, I want to strive to be the best that I can be and not just sort of set, settle for whatever happens. Uh, I just don't uh, – to me, I just don't think that's a very – positive attitude to have coming in what do you think you know i i think that's in life in general you know you can be you can be okay in sales or you can be number one in sales if i'm going to go have my career in a cubicle and be in sales i want to be in the top sales i don't know that's just the athlete in me Mm -hmm. that's the competitive person in me that you know, if I'm going to actually do something, I'm going to, you know, goes back to your parents. If you're going to, you know, do something half, you know what, then don't do it at all. And so my theory right. is I, I've never been able to understand why people in life in general, if whatever career they choose, they choose not to be the best. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily be the best. Um, but if you but don't at least have that give it as a goal. Right. Right. Exactly. And that's my point is, you know, obviously we all can't be necessarily number one, but if we're not at least putting that as, as, you know, the, the apple that we want to, you know, grab, reach up into the tree to grab, um, then you're not going to get very far. And I think it becomes part of, and in golf, particularly because you are out there by yourself, it's a self-motivating, you know, you might have your parents on the sidelines, you know, in your college career, uh, you know, rooting you on. But the truth of the matter is out in the golf course, it's just you and the elements. And if you can't motivate yourself to strive to be better, you're just not going to succeed. Um, Cindy, go ahead. I know right. you've got some questions for Karen. 
So, where are you? What are you doing? How's life? What's going on? <laughs> well, I'm in beautiful Maine. Uh, life is very good because the weather is beautiful. And uh, the golf instruction right now is interesting. I'm busy in spurts. I think that i finding my older um, – a lot of my older students are a little hesitant to come because of COVID. Um, my USGA girls golf program is very successful. I'm doing the best job I can do to keep the kids safe, and I think the parents realize that. Um, you know, social distancing, you know, when you're trying to social distance 20-something five-year-olds and six-year-olds, you know, or I should say six and six to eight, is um, is a little tough, but they get it. You know, they've got all the fun little masks, the uh, so life, life is good. Life is real good. You know, my husband, Caddy's out on the PGA Tour. He had a T3 a couple weeks ago, so that's exciting. Um, other than that, things are real, real good. What's going on with you? Busy, busy, busy. Crazy busy. Never been so busy. Um, so and I'm grateful. So t- can you uh, – teaching, teaching. Never given so many lessons ever. And I'm always crazy, mm-hmm. but this is above and beyond. And I'm not whining. I'm grateful. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's fine. Uh, we do what we can to social distance. And, and it, no, I'm very, very thankful. So now I have to ask because you gave us a little tease there. Who's your husband caddy for? Oh, Robbie Shelton. Uh, very, nice. very, yeah, a young kid out of the University of Alabama a couple years. Uh, stayed on the Corn Ferry probably one year longer than he wished. This is his first year out on tour. He's had uh, five, I think four or five top tens. He's he's made enough money to secure his card for the following year. He, um, you know, it's interesting. We talk about confidence, and I think that once he believes in himself, uh, he's in a tough situation. He had, you know, he had a very good career at Alabama, broke the majority of, just, well, broke all of Justin Thomas's records, and People were really had high expectations of him, and I think that when he's look, I just you know being a person on the outside, I look and think that this COVID's been tough. You know, you're you play golf every day, and you go whether you play bad or good, you go into a hotel and you get to stare at walls and and think about your game nonstop. You know, and I think that professional, especially as young as he is. Um, you know, it's tough being alone. It's lonely out there. When he doesn't play well, it's frustrating. So it, it's been interesting to watch. I love, you know, you know my, how much I love this game. And so it's been really fun to see the ups, and it's been sad to see the, the miscuts that he's made. And that he's going to have to figure that out. He, um, he will either top ten or he'll miss a cut. And, and that's huh. – that's a tough way to, yeah, we're, we're still trying to figure out, and I'm still trying to figure out why that is. You know, it's great that he makes top tens. You know, he was one shot off the lead at the 3M for a long time, and I thought, boy, this is his breakthrough, and and um, did well. And then he started out strong the first day of the Stableford and then made the cut but didn't do much after that. So it's just interesting, golf, as you know, golf in the mental side um, is just amazing. 
But I have some questions to ask you, Cindy, regarding college golf. Let's talk a little bit of college golf right now. I've got some students I work with that um, have worked really hard. Some are, you know, just going to college. Some are in college. And all these college programs have been canceled. And I think, you know, it's it's such a shame and I'm, I'm just trying to think what the coaches are going to do to keep their teams together and what they're going to do to to keep them practicing and competitive. Do you have any ideas? Yeah. So I have a girl that was a freshman last year at Towson, which is a D1 program in Baltimore, Maryland. And they're going back to school. Most of her classes mm-hmm. are going to be online. She does get to move in. Uh, they're Fall program is canceled. No fall golf. Um, excuse me. Hopefully they're playing in spring. She's been given one extra year of eligibility. And any senior that didn't want to leave can get another year. So that's like going to be a detriment to a freshman who's coming in who's got a scholarship promised to them if the senior wants to stay an extra year and they had a scholarship. So it's really wow. confusing. Um, yeah, so she's all depressed, and I said, look, there's nothing you can do about this. I get it, but you don't have any control. So Correct. this gives you another opportunity to get better. And she's a walk-on, so she's not quite good enough. So I said, stop whining and go hit balls, right? Um, right. So that being said, uh, they, she said that they might have some local matches against, like, Army-Navy, you know, if the coach mm-hmm. can do, like, scrimmages, which wouldn't count towards the season. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be very, very confusing. And hopefully, you know, all this blows over and we can, they can all play in the spring. Same thing with our high school program. We're in New York, in Buffalo, way away from New York City. But uh, the high school no fall golf. Most of the people in Erie County play fall golf, and the county that I live in plays spring golf, but uh, all fall golf is going to be played in the spring. And then go back to the colleges. She said that they may play their fall tournaments in the spring and their spring tournaments through the summer, and the NCAA would be in the summer. Wow. So I have no idea, no yeah, idea. I, I, and and here's the other catch: we've got another girl who's trying to go to Q school. There is no Q school, and there is no Monday oh, yeah. qualifying. So home, home on the range, right? Yeah, home, home on the range is a whole new meaning for golfers on that statement. Yeah, I didn't even think about no no qualifying, no Q school. What do you have any idea? What what the tour is going to be made of, I mean, how they're going to do that, or no new players? Everyone has, yeah. has kept their status from this year. And okay. if you choose not to play, so let's say you're concerned and you don't want to play, you don't need to play, and you just keep your status that you had for 2020. All right. Hmm. Which is interesting. okay, but yeah. if you play on Symmetra and you finish in the top five, you get full status for 2021. If you okay. play in the Symmetra Tour and you play terrible, it doesn't matter because you keep your status you had. Yep. Okay. Well, you know, I mean, I'm sure everybody, and we'll all 
figure it out during these these crazy times and like you said you know golf was it's just been it's been so crazy it has been so busy but it's interesting the the demographics of how many more juniors I've picked up how many more seniors and I think the seniors because I do Florida and Maine I think anybody coming out of Florida is a little freaked out and you know I think from Florida standpoint you know a lot of people are older and I just know that a lot of my my regulars that came from Florida didn't come up till late because at that time Boston and New England was high, and then they went down, and then Florida got high, and they're just like, I'm staying in. So right, and interesting. Um, let's talk about what else you let's. I want to talk a little bit about the mental game of golf, Cindy. We talked about believing in yourself and. And I know that you work with a lot of, um, you know, students that are great golfers. And I'm working with one right now that's such a challenge, going to go to St. Leo's Golf Scholarship, Um, not going to play fall, obviously. Coach thinks about maybe letting them play in some Florida AM tournaments. You know, that's what the team's going to do. St. Leo's happens to have a Division II, has a – golf course right there on campus they can play anytime but i'll tell you what getting these young people to believe in themselves and to see what it takes and to realize that every day on the golf course is not going to be perfect is such a challenge you know i i try you know books and and beefing them up and talking them up and you know sometimes it's like beating a dead horse when you you know, people just don't realize that in golf, you're going to have bad days and bad weeks, and sometimes people get in a funk. You know, I mean, you're going to go through lulls. What do you say about that? Um, you know, it's funny that you say this because we've been seeing that locally with, you know, our kids that we teach that play in tournaments. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I think that some of it comes from the pressure of their parents. You know, I've got to shoot better. I've got to keep score. I've got to break this number. Um, I've got these coaches are going to be watching me. I can't shoot a bad – I can't have a bad day. So that being said, they're always worried about outcome and not process. So once you set your goal, you know, I, I want to play college golf D1. Okay, great. Well, where do you want to go? Well, I want to go to Duke. Um, Go look at the scores they shoot and then tell me how you're doing, right? So that's a fact, you know. And so I've got a lot of kids that are really smart that don't shoot in the 70s. And and I say to them, again, sometimes I'm a little too much of a truth teller. I say, "Um, go find me. I use the phrase brutally honest, and my daughter says, Mother, that doesn't sound good. Tell them you're a truth teller. (laughs) (laughs) So I said, go find the smartest school that you have to have the best grades with a golf team that stinks because that's where (laughs) you're going to play. Because unless you want to work harder and shoot a better round or a better number or break your record, right? 
So if you want to play at a really good school, go shoot, see what they shoot because there's a million people that can shoot 82, right? Right. But there's right. not a whole lot that can shoot 72. So, again, it's what you want, and that's why I asked Bailey, our guest, you know, are you willing to look in the mirror to see all your faults and expose all your elephants? Because if you're not, don't expect to reach your goal. You're, there's no way you're going to be number one in the world. You know, so that being said, if you're willing to do that and be your only inventory and become the best version of yourself, then you can do that. So here's the other point. But guess who's holding the club? You know, now I'm there to coach you and help you learn how to hit the shot. And sometimes we have to develop the swing so that you can perform the task in a tournament with a gun pointed at your head and your fingers on the trigger and you get to decide whether you want to shoot yourself or not, right? So all right. that, every new level requires more skill and talent. Now, that being said, you know, what level do you want to get to? So you've got to have a goal-setting session. You know, we got a right. kid that walks in and, and shuffles his feet and looks down, and I'm like, oh, my God, do you have any idea that if a coach watches you, your body language is like, oh, here comes high-maintenance who doesn't believe in himself. Right. You know, it's like go somewhere else. I help people that want to get better get better. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. you got to have that one. Well, let me tell you about a little bit of golf, junior golf, amateur golf, I should say, amateur golf in Maine right now. Are you ready for this? This is crazy, crazy. We just had the Maine Junior Am last week. Let's put the scenario is that one guy's in the last group. The other guy's in the group in front of him. The guy in the group in front of him is uh, one shot behind. He goes to par five, goes for it in two, hits it about 15 feet, sinks the putt for eagle. He thinks, you know, he's got it. You know, this is this is going to be this is going to be his three. The guy's behind him, and the guy has to literally. Pull it out from the fairway for an albatross to beat him. So, I mean, it's pretty much a done deal. Got eagle on the last hole. This guy's got to hit it in from however two-something out. Cindy, you guys, he hit it in the hole for an albatross. you got to be lost. kidding me. No! <laughs> no! <laughs> Can you imagine? I thought... Here you are as many times playing, you know, max play, and you think you got the hole and someone chips it in on you after, you know, or sinks a bazillion mile putt or, you know, 50-footer. And this guy got it in the hole for, for obviously, an albatross, and he ended up beating the guy by one. And the guy had an eagle on the last hole. How old was the kid that made it in the hole at albatross? Seventeen. Uh, no offense, but I should tell my daughter this. That should be on the Golf Channel. Oh, I know. <laughs> and are you ready? Are the junior golf over here, the junior am golf in in Maine of all places, which we know isn't huge. The women. I went out to the women's am. The women's am, and in contention were allotted, you know, one girl, two girls in college, a couple girls going to college. And let me tell you, they went into a playoff. The girl sunk. You know, 18th hole, everybody's standing around. She went out there. Um, she had to make birdie on the last hole, and she sunk like a downhill 20-footer and took it to another hole 
And are you ready? Takes it to the first hole of the playoff. This is the Maine's Women Am. And they're starting on, they're going to play 10 and 18. They're side by side. They go to 10. They both hit it a little bit to the left. Um, they get up there. One short, one's long. And the girl that's long is the favored. She plays golf in Colorado. She's defending champion. Um, she gets there. So the girl up the, off the green, short of the green, it's her chance to go. What does she do? She chips it in on her. <laughs> oh, my God. She chips it in on her, and the other girl's got like a 55-footer to, you know, to tie her. And this young 15-year-old girl won the main am. I mean, I'm telling you, junior golf around here in Maine, and it's just so awesome to see because, I mean, they only have such a short season. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. That's Definitely awesome. that albatross to win the main junior am is just unbelievable to me. I still think about it. I told somebody, you know, they're they're pretty much celebrating with an eagle if this guy knocks it in. Wow. Mm. That's a test. Let's let Ted That's... talk for a minute. <laughs> Yeah, I was no, I was actually listen. I how are you, Ted? I'm doing well. I was actually enjoying the car, uh, you know, listening to the two of you. Uh, I, I do want to add one thing because we're, we're unfortunately we're getting really close to our time, but I do want to go back to something, you know, Karen, you were talking about the mental game. Um, you and Cindy were talking about, and I think one thing, you know, as coaches, um, our our goal obviously is to help them improve so that they win. But I think what's equally as important is I think players n- need to learn how to lose. And when I, what I mean uh, by oh. that is they need to learn how to um, lose with, with obviously dignity and grace, but they need to learn how to extrapolate what happens when they lose and not just, you know, as, as Bailey mentioned earlier, you know, slapping their club up against the bag or, or kicking it or what have you. And I think a lot of today's young folks in all aspects don't know how to lose. I mean, they You're do lose, right. but they don't know how. And I, agree I think 100%. because you learn, you, yeah, you learn your most valuable life lessons, whether it's on or off the golf course from your failures more so than your successes. And I think unfortunately in this world of entitlements where I've got to win all the time. I've got to win. And if I don't win, well, I'm not going to be happy. And, you know, if you look back 30 or so years ago at some of the best players in the world, they knew how to lose. You know, I remember famously Arnold Palmer many, many times in the heat of of the battle, if you will, on, on many, many championships. The first thing he did, he went right over to the player that won, shook their hand, put his arm around them and congratulated them. He lost with the, you know, and, and he expected to win that tournament. He was the favorite to win. He was leading the tournament. You know, the wheels fell off the bus, whatever you want to call it. But he knew how to to lose with dignity and grace. And I think a lot of players, believe it or not, don't. And you know, they 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 quit. They you know they they decide, well, this is not for me, and they just get down in the dumps. So I think. As much as we want to teach them how to be successful and how to to win and and to be that number one in the golf course, we also need to help them understand that it's okay to lose, and when you do lose, 
what are you going to take away from it? And I think that's something that a lot of players need to learn as well. Um, I hate to dispel that that pearl of wisdom, but we got to go. But sorry, go ahead, Karen. I'm going to give you the final comments. No, I I just think that, you know, you just, as long as you learn from your loss, I mean, it's like anything you learn a life lesson, you do something wrong. As long as you learn, and I think that, Coaches are there to help them, but I also think that that's something that they have to to learn themselves. In, in, and that's no one likes to lose. It's going to happen, as we all know. It's not fun. But you know what? You're going to give it your best every time you go out there. And that's all I ask from every one of my students is that when you come right. to take a lesson or you go to play in a tournament that you play your best game. Right, exactly. And, and and that's what I mean by, by teaching them how to lose. I don't mean to show them how to lose. Everybody knows how to lose. I just mean we, <laughs> we have to show them that there's something that they can extrapolate from that loss that is going to actually Correct. benefit them and propel them in the other direction. That's what I mean by that. Well, Karen, thank you very much for, for joining uh, Cindy and I this morning. I, I enjoyed listening to, to the two of you. You had some great points. And, and Cindy, as always, thank you. Um, but we've got to we've got to wrap it up. Uh, love to have you come back again another time, Karen, uh, when it's good for you. Um, but thank you, and keep doing the, the the great work that you're doing up in Maine and and uh, and then down in Florida again a little bit later on. But thank you very much for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. Well, thank you. It's always a pleasure, and be rooting for Robbie Shelton, would you? We will. We will. We'll do. <laughs> stay stay safe and right. healthy, my friend. You too. Great hearing you, and uh, I can't wait to be on again. We'll have some more subjects. Okay. All right. Thanks, Karen. Uh, All right. All right. That was our very special guest, Karen Nicoletti, uh, LPJ professional. A uh, lot of laughs. I enjoyed listening to the two of you. Uh, well done. All right. We're out of here. Um, we will be back next week with some more great guests. We hope you will tune in. Uh, I'm Ted Odorico, and on behalf of Cindy Miller, uh, thank you for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Cindy. Bye. Thanks for listening this morning to the Women of Golf Show. Tune in live each week by visiting blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and, of course, Spotify. If you can't join us live, check out our on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts. To get updates for future shows and upcoming guests, you can follow us on Facebook at Women of Golf. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO and Cindy at Cindy Miller Golf. Please remember to join us next week on the Women of Golf Show. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.